Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from the past. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. Now, as we review these throwbacks, remember many of these recordings were made over a decade ago. I just ask that you keep that historical context in mind. Today in 2020, there's a vastly different consciousness. Risk has always asked our storytellers to err on the side of not being too cautious, to speak in as unfiltered a way as possible. That said, we also want our storytellers to be compassionate in their storytelling. But even in stories where you hear an overall compassionate context to the sharing, you might still notice some moments that strike you as cringeworthy today. A lot of these storytellers, and myself as the host of some of the oldest episodes, would probably have handled those moments differently today. As always, the title of the series, Risk, is itself a trigger warning. This week, a story that Vince Gatton first shared on the podcast in October of 2011. Here's Vince now with a story we call Snapper. It's become legend in my family now, but thanks to my mom, I have been able to figure out that it is, in fact, my earliest memory. I grew up in Kentucky. My dad is a, a Kentuckian. I tell people he's like the love child of Yosemite Sam and the Tasmanian Devil. He's not a tall man, but he's got a lot of bark. I don't think he actually really has a bite, but his bark is so terrifying, nobody tests it. Road rage is the canvas on which he paints. An impression of my father behind the wheel of the car is like, You pissant, cocksucking motherfucker, goddamn whistle-dick son of a bitch! I often had the image of him as a grizzly bear who would go into a rage, especially if his cubs were threatened. 
I am the third of four children. There's my older brother, Matt, my sister, Barbie, me, my younger brother, Phil, and we're all about 18 months apart. So the story takes place when I was two, my younger brother was six months old. And my little brother, Phil, especially as an infant, was the most beautiful thing you have ever seen. He was blonde, he's blue-eyed, the rest of us are dark-haired, dark-eyed. He was just this boneless, beautiful-smelling blob of pink, adorable flesh with whipped golden hair and and a smile. Um, he really was a dessert in human form. So he was not just an infant, but an especially beautiful one. And so what happened on this day was that for some reason my father was taking me and the baby somewhere, which was very unusual. It often might have happened that my older brother and sister might go somewhere because they were older, they were, you know, had more activities being a couple of years ahead of us. And uh, so sometimes dad would take them somewhere and we would be at home with mom, but it never happened that the younger two were taken somewhere. But on this particular day, my dad put me and the baby in a car and he drove us somewhere. What I remembered was going down several steps into a basement office. I remember him ringing the bell and the door opening, and it was very dark inside, and a very skinny, very old man with very big, thick glasses, like plastic, thick, dark frames, thick lenses as well, so they sort of distorted his eyes, and this wild Albert Einstein-looking hair. Um, almost like white cotton candy coming out of this head. And just a little bit of light was coming through the slats of the Venetian blinds. And I remember seeing, staring at the dust floating through the slats in the, the light. And so we're in this dark place. It smells of disinfectant, but also of old. It smelled like old man smell. It was a place of decay. I had been taught how to take care of the baby and how to treat the baby and that it was a very fragile, precious thing and especially, you know, the fontanelle on top of his head and how to hold his neck and, you know, support his neck because babies' heads and necks are very fragile and, I mean, I certainly didn't ever carry him but I knew the drill with babies. We're in this strange place and my father hands the baby to this old man who lays the baby down on this table and snapped his neck. It was so shocking. There was baby Phil, this tremendously beautiful and fragile thing, and this old man just snapped him, just broke the baby. And my memory of it is that I just froze staring at it for a moment and then was completely ready for the grizzly bear to tear this thing apart, right? To just crush the... Because he could easily have crushed this old man. He was very frail looking. Um, The force of the neck snap was completely unexpected. But I was like... uh, And I turned from this sight up to my father, who, you know, was very large to me then, expecting to see the rage, expecting Yosemite Sam, Tasmanian devil, grizzly bear, calm as could be, looks right down to me, points at me and says, your turn. I could not make any sense of this. And dad picks me up and he's handing me to this guy. And this is the part nobody wants to believe because they think I'm, I'm rewriting it 
because a I, they I couldn't remember it or that these thoughts are too sophisticated for a two year old to have. But I swear to you, I remember a massive, very rapid series of thoughts in my head, and the first was why is he having us killed? Why is he doing this? Why does he hate us? Did we do something wrong? Like, I'm trying to think what the baby could possibly have done wrong, what I could have done wrong, and I'm running through everything. And um, then I thought, no, 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 it's not that we did something wrong. It's that they can only afford to feed two of us. And Matt and Barbie are older, so they've been around longer, so they're more used to them, and so they like them better. And so... If they can only feed two, they're going to get rid of us. And then I thought, does mom know? Because I just don't think she would ever agree to this. Because I know she likes me. I know she likes me. And I know she did not approve this. And I know when he gets home, she is going to be mad. And by then, the old man has me and he was putting me down. I remember then just sort of resigned. I remember like just thinking, wow, life is short. And then thinking as my head touched the pleather or vinyl or whatever it was, at least I got more time than Phil did. And then the next thing I know, the next piece of memory I have about it is the car pulling back into our garage and getting out and Phil's there and breathing and Matt and Barbara there and my mom is there and something distracts me or whatever and we just go on with our day and our lives and that's all that it was and it just fades from memory as things do when you're young and it was decades later that I suddenly had this memory resurface and I thought holy crap were my parents cultists like what what the hell was that I can't make sense of this I didn't go to my dad at first. I went to my mother and I said, I have this very vivid memory of this experience of dad taking us somewhere and having the baby killed. And I can't make any sense of it. And we went through it and my mother was horrified, like really looked in suspense because I'm like, mom, we're both alive. So obviously it wasn't what I was thinking it was, but what could it be? And as soon as I got to the description of the old man, suddenly she knew. And she told me that my younger brother had been uh, born allergic to milk and he wasn't eating and he wasn't gaining any weight as an infant. And they'd gone through many ways of trying to solve this. But my father, who suffered tremendous back problems throughout his life, was a firm believer in the healing powers of chiropractic care. And he had insisted that my mother give him a shot at taking the baby to the chiropractor to see if it helped with his digestive problems. And so he had always been trying to get my mom to go. And my mom had gone to the chiropractor once, this basement office, this skinny, white-haired old man who she found creepy, then she never went back. But she let dad take the baby to the chiropractor. For some unknown reason, I went too. And he obviously didn't break the baby's neck. He had gave him an adjustment. And my mom says, after that, the baby started to gain weight. After my mom helped me piece the whole thing together, and I went and told my dad the story. He thought it was the funniest thing ever. Because my dad's favorite everything is always the villain. The, the, the badder they are, the more he loves them. And he's never forgiven Darth Vader for going soft. You know, that kind of thing. 
He just loves the idea that I thought that he was having us assassinated. But I can't say that it hasn't threaded throughout my life a slight distrust of my father's motives. That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.